0: In this discussion, we'll be considering the benefits of exploring the world outside of the classroom and how a gap year, if planned in the right way, can really help a student excel in higher education, including considering how a culturally immersive and authentic experience can lead to lifelong personal development for students as they enter the world of work post-graduation and after university. Um, So yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my guests today uh, from different regions around the world and it would be great to let's, let's start with some introductions of everybody. Um, Matthew do you want to to introduce yourself?
1: Hi everyone really glad to be here today Um, I am Matthew Akitani I'm the secondary school counselor for university and careers um, the longest title in the world Um, we call myself the future planning fairy just for jokes Um, I'm at the uh, Copenhagen International School in Denmark.
0: Brilliant thanks Matthew. Kyra do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Pyra Kellawan. I'm the Futures Lead at the British School of Barcelona in Spain. Um, uh, comprehensive counselling as well, but uh, much more focused on future planning, careers guidance, and um, yeah, personal and professional development as well.
0: Brilliant. Saha?
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Saha Thompson. I'm from and based on the Caribbean island of St. Martin. Um, and I work for Global Citizen Year, which is a gap semester, gap year organization based in the U.S. And I'm also an alum of one of our programs. So really excited
4: to talk about my gap year experience as well.
0: Brilliant. It's great to have you on the course. Uh, Holly. Hello,
4: everyone. My name is Holly Highbein. I'm a comprehensive high school counselor at the International School Stavanger in uh, Norway. And I'm looking forward to hear from whatever people have to say and uh, to learning from others
0: excellent stuff brilliant thank you so much guys for for joining us today um yeah i think we can go straight into the um to the first question so um yeah what so what does the concept of a gap year uh mean to each of you um and what would you ideally um expect to get out of one if you if you chose to if you chose to have one Who'd like to kickstart
2: that, that one? I, I don't mind uh, taking yeah. a stab at that. I I think um, when I listen to the the idea of a gap year, I think back to my own experience as a as a student in the UK, and um, you know a gap year was at that point a full year It was probably um, going to be spent travelling, um, possibly earning some money to get ready to go to off to university, but always with that that goal in mind. And I just think about how much it shifted. Um, because I think actually a gap year can be a gap semester. It can be a gap term. it can be a gap half year. it can it can mean lots of things now. um and it's also I think the the goal has shifted a little bit for the, this current generation in that um it might not be about the need to earn money necessarily or at least in the community that I work with that's that's not as important. um but I do think it's about reaching maturity and being able to make decisions about future pathways and specifically about deciding on either a subject to study um, or to take the time to really, you know, make their application uh, different or stand out in some way to do something that they wouldn't have had the time to do at school. Um, And I think there's also now a concept that kind of is linked with wellness as well, just taking a break, just having a bit of time off from being in the kind of, you know, (laughs) ceaseless uh, you know, exam stress cycle that um, students in the upper years are at the, at the moment. So um, I think about you know those small shifts, and 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 maybe somebody else has has some ideas there about what what how else it's changed since we were thinking about potentially doing one. If any of us did,
1: I desperately wanted to take a gap year, but that was absolutely unheard of in my family. Um, it, it also just I think I come from the US originally, and that that at that time was certainly not something you did. Um, Gap years were kind of seen as this, either you were very, very, very wealthy, and it was something you sort of did because you had the ability to do that, um, or it was seen as a failure in some ways, or there's something wrong with you in your high school process that didn't allow you to move on to university right away. Um, I just really, like, I wanted that time to breathe after after high school, Um, but that wasn't an option for me at the time. I think, and also like from that, my my perception of gap year has definitely grown a lot. Um, I lived in Japan for the last 11 years, and I've only been in Denmark since this past August. Um, and even that shift from, from Asia to here was interesting because where I was in Japan before, a lot of times the only reason a student would take a gap would be because they had not passed the entrance exams to go to some of the most selective universities. And so... Rather than it being a year where they're like building their resume and all that kind of thing, it was for really intensified, focused study for entrance exam things. And it, I, though I do like the Japanese concept of that, they called odonin, and odonin is a samurai without a master. And so, I sort of like the idea behind that—that that you're still trying to find like your place, um, in some ways. But I think coming to Denmark, this was a really eye-opening and really awakening. Um, for me, because we have up to up to fifty percent of our grade twelve students will take a gap year. Now, part of that is because in Denmark, it's very culturally accepted and actually encouraged um, for many different reasons. But I think a lot of it is also like it's a chance to build a maturity. It's a chance to really really solidify exactly what it is that you want to do. Um, we also have the added benefit of some government assistance during that time, so there's a little bit more freedom. Um, for that. And I think a lot of times the Denmark not being a very large country doesn't have that many universities to sort of select from in the first place. So a lot of people will take gap years because at that point they have their final grades. They know kind of what they're really kind of getting into in terms of minimum requirements and things. Um, and so they're more likely to be accepted um, into the, those just different, uh, more more selective institutions. Um, so it's a, an opportunity for them to like learn and grow and whatever, and I'm talking forever, but yeah, it's it definitely has shifted and changed. Like I came in thinking, no, I'm gonna reduce the number of gap year students because maybe that's not great. But actually now i found that I'm I'm singing and celebrating gap year a lot, lot more than I thought it was going to.
4: I can back on what you were saying. Oh, sorry, so do you wanna go ahead? No, you go ahead, Holly. Okay, okay. Uh, so similar to M- Matthew, we w- we might go back and forth on this a few times, but uh, uh, being neighbours to Denmark, part of Scandinavia in Norway here, um, there is a whole network of, and I mean, this might be one of my other questions, but it is very common. I don't think we're quite at 50%, but uh, my own perception or um, knowledge of gap years was very limited. Uh, when I was in high school, I'm from Canada, and uh, similar ideas to what Matthew was saying about um, the why you would take a gap year, like, what do you mean you don't go directly? Because I think there's a lot of, there was at the time, societal concern that, well, you're not going on to college right after. So you're just going to lose your path and not bother afterwards. So I think I'm glad to see that society has changed. I would say North American society has changed as well. Um, but a lot of our students, um, we have quite a few students who are Norwegian. There is a whole network of um, programs called Folka High Schooler. I'm not pronouncing that properly, but basically it's uh, in English, it's Folk High Schooler and it's sponsored, the students get funding from the government or they get loans or grants and they can go off and explore all kinds of really interesting things. Uh, My IB coordinator colleague always likes to use the dog sledding in the Arctic as an example. Uh, We have a student from last year's class that's currently doing a hunting and fishing uh, somewhere also up in the Northern Arctic Circle and they have to make, um, so so one of the outcomes could be a a fishing guide or some sort of uh, Arctic guide. amongst others so uh, and we have a lot of students that do music for that or cultural or creative things or sports management I've I've met students as an SAT coordinator come in and they said oh, I'm doing a folk high school or I'm going to be but I'm doing the SATs so I can get a scholarship for basketball or volleyball or whatever it is so it's uh, really the world has shifted in the gap year mentality and it's a good thing. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Thank you I really loved all of your responses and reflections. I think for me, a gap year is a time to, to pause, reflect, and reset. Um, especially, you know, when I was going through my academic experience, I felt like that I was just being pulled along this conveyor belt all of my life. You know, it's like, all right, primary school and middle school, if that's what you have in your country is high school, you know, and then let's go straight to university. Um, And I think for me, going from one academic institution to the next, you know, until I go into a career for the rest of my life just didn't really align with what I what I hoped for myself. Of course, you know, there are many ways that people could approach taking a gap year. Um, But I think for me, one of the key words uh, that make it a transformative experience is is intention. Um, I, I can tell you my story of intention as you know, a high school senior before I found my global citizen year experience. I was 18. And at that point, I was tired, I was burnt out, you know, the workload of high school was a lot and between exams and deadlines and trying to meet the expectations of, you know, teachers and parents and college admissions counselors, um, I just kind of lost my sense of self and, and there was not really much space to consider what, what my life's biggest questions were and I didn't really feel like the classroom was, was giving me the right tools that I needed to explore those questions. And so after high school, I knew what I needed was time to explore those questions and what it meant for me to take an intentional gap year was that I chose to kind of step back from society's expectations, which is not easy, right? You know, again, there are a lot of adults in your life that are, are going to tell you what you need to do. Um, and with that, that bravery and that courage, I, I did take the time to, you know, travel. I went to Ecuador for a year and the questions and my intention um, was to explore, you know, who am I? Sorry, I know there's a a bit of a noise in the background. Um, the, the intention was to explore questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? And And how do I make a lasting difference in my community? And so that's what my year was spent exploring. And it was really a time for me to open up to my deepest inner self and what my inner self would answer, as opposed to what the people around me would answer that question like. Um, and of course, everybody's questions or intentions may be different, but I think a gap year is particularly significant once you choose to bring those intentions into it, those questions into it, and the openness um, to transform yourself. And so, yeah, that that is how I would say my concept of a gap year is.
0: I love that. It's, um, I I'd really thought of it that way, that, you know, you obviously you get, you're just pushed on a conveyor belt, aren't you, from... The age of five or six until you're sort of 17 or 18 and um and it's the first time that if taken properly and planned can actually be the first time that you actually self-reflect and think about what is it that you actually want to do and listen to your own gut and your own instinct um yeah that's a really really good point um so moving on to my second question you know, how how might having a gap year um help students thrive especially when they move into higher education university which is such a a different experience to to what you know you'd have experienced at high school. Um, how how could having you know a gap year help prepare them for 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 university? Do we think?
2: Can I take that one? I think I, I want to say Sahar, your, your story is really inspiring, and um I think you will resonate a lot with a lot of people uh, listening to this because, um you know the the idea of why are we doing any of it <laughs> comes into my head a lot why are we doing, why are we working with young people? What's the what's the kind of young person we want to produce? What's the kind of um, benefit or impact they want to go out and have in the world? And I think doing that kind of reflection and taking that bravery, and it makes me wonder if you're, what you studied, what, what um, yeah. curriculum you were in, because it sounds like a very IB student uh, moment. But um, it's just, it, it's just really commendable that your generation are are doing that naturally. And I think it comes more naturally to you, um, you know, from, from a certain perspective of of both age and self-awareness, and also having lived through um, different, you know, societal constructs changing. But if the reason that we do any of this is to produce good people who want to go out into the world and do good things, then absolutely that reflection is necessary. And absolutely that moment to think about what do I want? Who am I? What's what's my mission? What's my purpose? But also, what are my values? What do I want to you know be able to sort of see um, in, in the next p- pathway? Just to be able to take the next step, I think is really, really, there's anxiety about that. Because students are feeling and families are feeling like the next step has to be the planning for the, the, the step in 20 steps time, you know, what career is that going to lead to? What job is that going to lead to? What's that going to be mean that I'm doing when I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s? And you know the trends are all showing that that will change regularly regularly and often, and it should um, as you know society moves and changes and technology changes the way the world of work is. So I really think um having that sort of steadying influence and you speak very confidently about what you did and why you did it. And I'm sure that led to better outcomes for you in your gap year because it, it just it just makes sense to know who you are and your why and what what you're moving towards. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, that time taken at the end of, as you say, a very, it's been a really stressful couple of years for high school students, you know, maybe more than any other um, demographic living through the, the pandemic, young people who had t- their social constructs changed and taken away from them. Um, I think it's, it, you know, it really, really would benefit uh, this 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 next couple of year groups and we're going to see effects of the pandemic on graduates for some years to come. So I commend you. And I think that, you know, listening to you should be something that, um, you know, all all students can do because I I think it will help them with a very, very difficult decision to make. So thank you for sharing that. Can I just add on to that really briefly? Um, Yeah, I did do
3: the IB. So it's funny that you guessed that. (laughs) Um, And I think it's also interesting because recently I did a video for the IB where they asked me, you know, how did the IB prepare me for what was next? And I think, you know, they often expect you to say, yeah, I got into a really great university or, you know, started in this career at a super early level um, or early time in life and a really great career. And then I told them, like, the IB prepared me to have a really transformative gap year. And I think that was very shocking to them. (laughs) But I think for me, it allowed me to think for myself about how can I be more creative, creative with my life? Right. And how could I um, manage The risk of doing something different and and choose to take, have the courage to take the risk of doing something different. And I really loved what you said about um, if we're in this to produce, you know, good people who want to do good things in the world. Like, that's what I was thinking about for myself. Like, if I continue along this trajectory of just um, going into different academic institutions without reflecting for myself of what I want to get out of it, like, will I actually become um, my best self? Will I actually do something that's meaningful in this world. And so for me, before taking my gap year, just going back to the question about how it influenced my higher education, um, before going into my gap year, I definitely had no drive (laughs) or passion to make the most out of my higher education experience. Um, And my gap year experience with Global Citizen Year kind of allowed me to rediscover myself, you know, um, rediscover my sense of self, get a stronger sense of who I am and reignite my passion for learning and learning outside of the framework of, you know, grades and Expectations and recognition, but just learning for learning's sake was something that I really discovered through my gap year. Um, and I entered university with a newfound confidence in myself, a deeper curiosity towards my education, and life skills that I think continue to benefit me and my community today. And I was also very intentional about what I chose, what university I chose to go to, um, how I chose to approach my education. And so that's to me is one of the biggest ways that it influenced um how I moved into higher education. So I just wanted to expand on what you were saying there, because I thought it was really valuable.
1: I like your comment about it giving you the, the opportunity to learn for the sake of learning, for not having the pressures of grades and things that come out of it. And that's um in Denmark we have also the same sort of like folk university that has called Hoiskole. Um that the whole purpose of it is for learning for the sake of learning. There's the whole philosophy behind it is that there's no pressure of grades it's not this sort of like outcomes that have to come out of it the outcome is what you you put in and how you learn and grow through it and um, interestingly there are actually some high schooler programs for adults as well so you could take a gap year much later in your life if you wanted to um, that's another topic I think we should definitely touch on at some point <laughs> down the line <laughs> yeah but, but I think it's what it's you know I think a lot of people go in thinking oh I'm going to take a gap year and the maybe some of the worry of some of the parents here is that that means that you're not going to do anything and I actually like try to flip that to them and say like well you know actually after this really intense high school program it's actually okay for you to take a little bit of time and do nothing like that that doing nothing creates something believe it or not and so I think it's important also that before you jump in and worry about how am I going to make an impact on the world and what are like what am I going to pull from my gap year and how is that always going to be something that's going to be like building foundations for whatever the next step are that it's okay to just take some time exhale and hang out on the beach for like a month like that's cool too but then have some idea what will happen next right
0: yeah absolutely any any other any other thoughts on that before we move on to the onto the next question
2: I cool. don't know if we answered your yeah. question about, about higher studies, because I think I went off on a tangent. But it, I think all of us as counsellors have heard, you know, the the what universities want, what they're looking for, what makes them distinguish between candidates. And I think this is the probably the most crucial part of talking to our communities about why this is something worth considering. You know, when you have so many applicants offering the same grades on paper mm-hmm. and you need to distinguish between candidates in really highly selective processes, then I think knowing who you are, knowing your why, having taken the time to exhale, all the things that have already been said are fundamental for just building out your story and, and being able to, to tell that to an admissions counselor, whichever process it is. Okay, some systems won't need that bit. They might just look at your grades and put you in a ranking. But, you know, if it is a system you're applying to that has a holistic process, then it's definitely worth taking some time out to think about you know is this really the right course or you know what what are the what's the flexibility of how I'm going to be studying is it is it taught in the way I'd like and I think there is so much pressure on completing high school that maybe you haven't had the time to do that research really well or, or maybe it's been rushed or maybe there's a lot there's you know a lot of pressure on you to do something else and, and given that we don't know what any of our students are really living when they go home I think it's it's really important to give families that sort of reassurance that actually this is a real benefit. It could be seen as a real bonus, and it can it can definitely lead to those stories from a student coming across better, more strongly, um, and and you know really help to separate candidates who are very similar on paper otherwise, who just you know have managed to distinguish themselves in different ways. And um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to that in, in more detail because I, I think we probably will have experiences of that with students who've shone in that way.
0: Brilliant, and that that leads me on really nicely to the next question, actually. So obviously, we, yeah, we touched on how it can help with our education, and and looking into the world of work. After that, you know, what employers look for when you come to interview for jobs, you know, soon, when you do leave for university, um, it can potentially help you help you set set your apart as well, especially if you have made the most of that year. So, um, my next question would be, well, you know, what key lifelong skills can a gap year, um, if planned in the right way, um can it help, you know, further develop um, those future, future proof skills um, that the world of work looks for? Um, Yeah. And any, any thoughts on that one?
4: I'll start since I was quiet on the last question, but I, I, there's so many, I could just uh, so many things to say. So how does this, um, Oh my goodness. Um, I think the big takeaway or the big um, benefit to this, um, is that, um, the gap year is, uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought now. I was so excited to talk about it. Um, the The world of work is a complex one and it's ever-changing and the skills needed uh for what they, at the end of their high school career, I'm at an IB school as well. So, you know, you've just been driving, driving, driving for two years. Even the students that aren't even doing the full IB diploma, they're still dri- drive, drive, drive. We are a uh, highly academic school. So having that Time and space to breathe, as Matthew said, and discover yourself, as Sahar said, is so key to knowing oneself. To know what you're going to want to do in a workplace environment, and for some of our students, they also do, some of them do work, volunteer work, or um, you know have those customer service interactions. In Norway, you can't uh, you have to be 18 to work. So there's a couple of exceptions, but generally this is every international school I've worked at the um, and it's not so much about the money. It's the, you know, the customer service experience or, um, you know, being entrepreneurial um, or whatever it might be is that um, our kids don't have that in international school. They don't have the, this mentality it would have in in perhaps in North America where you'd have a part-time job or this or that. They just don't have the um, wherewithal to do that because of the language or the culture or the laws in the country that they're in. Um, So I think that just getting to know yourself and getting to know what's on the job market and skills that transcend all jobs, communication skills, uh, initiative, knowing what you want, having that drive, that work ethic. Um, Certainly if you've done an IB program, you definitely have a work ethic. There's no question about that. But the other intangibles are equally as important.
1: I think it really can build self-advocacy skills. And I I think I think IB students are also already very good at that to some extent. But when you actually put that into life practice, for a lot of our students, they many of them are wanting to do things that are going to build for their for their portfolio or for their um, you know, for their personal statements and things. And so I think a lot in Denmark, a lot of things are only happen like can only really happen via word of mouth, and so making connections and speaking to people and actually like not being afraid to just like ask, hey, would you be able to give me like an internship for two weeks or can I shadow you or whatever, and and learning how to just sort of put things out there in conversation a little bit can be really. I think it's a skill that gets solidified quite a lot in the gap years here, and that's important. You know, we're seeing how, yeah, that's something we talk about in school and we talk about that in like social and emotional learning and that kind of thing. But until you actually see it in, in like real life practice and have it have a return on that sort of personal investment, um, it might not actually be like fully true to you. But I, I see that quite a lot here when the kids come back and they talk about like, oh, I had to, I had to, you know, negotiate my way through this or I had to negotiate my way through that. And I, I wouldn't do that necessarily if I had jumped right into university.
2: Yeah, I think one one I really agree with what you you've just said, Matthew. And I think um, Saha's point about learning uh, to learn for the sake of learning is is sort of key here. Like the the ability to sort of have resilience and, and deal with the unknown, I think it's about leaving a controlled environment and going into an environment where you have a lot less control, which means you have to adult better. Um, and I think, you know, those are super transferable skills that universities obviously talk about and, and make better community members and, and just, you know, more empathetic and more emotionally intelligent um, students. But also just that, that ability to have to problem solve really for the first time, probably on your own, especially if there's travel involved or if there's work involved. Um, I think I think that's really, really powerful for, for students at this point is to just, you know, recognize that not everything is going to be mocked up or tidied up, especially if you've had really involved parents or really involved teachers. It's it's really good to just learn that you can do it and go through some difficult things as well, because there's there's always going to be a challenge as part of a gap year. I don't think um, you know, you can you can sort of to some extent there are programs I think you can you can do that will remove lots of obstacles for you, but I think in its truest sense, a gap year is about yeah dealing, learning to deal with the unknown as well, and and figuring out what inner resources you have to do that.
3: I think a lot of what you all said is reflected in some of the skills that I gained during my gap year. I kind of listed them out to try to remember, like what, how did I transform during that time? Um, But I think you know definitely what you mentioned, Kara, about adulting better and learning how to adult better um learning how to come out of this experience a better community member a better um a better me you know and and however we, however that translates into my own life a better family member a better friend um and I think a lot of the skills sometimes I think what people when it comes to gap years for forget is that a lot of those skills will translate into human skills and maybe you know those are soft skills or whatever you want to call them but I just call them human skills and I think some of the human skills that, that continue to serve me today that I gained from my experience are, you know, like you mentioned, adulting. So self-management, risk management, especially in my context, um, I did my gap year in a new country where I didn't fully know the language and had to learn the language and I, the culture is quite different, had to understand, um, you know, have that intercultural awareness. So that's another skill I gained. Um, but yeah, i learning to manage risks well. Um, Learning to work more effectively with the unknown, like you mentioned, as well. I'm definitely a bit of a control freak when it comes to life. And so being in a situation where um, a lot of things were out of my control, I learned to um, to to work with that and to not be as afraid of that. because I just think that's a part of life Um, and to be more critical of my own positionality when I go into different cultural contexts. and look at things through a a different, an intercultural lens. Um, When I'm exploring new ideas, when I'm encountered with something that feels very different to what I've grown up with. um, And just being able to, I know this sounds so simple, but just to believe in myself a bit more, you know, to know that I'm capable of learning whatever, through whatever life brings my way and, and having the knowledge that I can do hard things and come out on the other side better for it. And so that to me was really important. Um, great interpersonal skills, you know, interacting with people, um, no matter who they are, no matter where you are with the utmost respect and genuineness, um, even if it's in a completely different language, which challenged my ego a lot because I was like, oh, I'm not as funny in Spanish or like I'm not as interested in Spanish, you know, but being able to just um, learn that connection goes beyond even that. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, of course, just that intrinsic excitement towards learning now to be more excited to learn in general, um, regardless of external validation. And so I think those are some of the things that I learned, an ability to give and receive feedback, to approach life more creatively, to be more open um, when it comes to, to knowledge um, and to meeting new people. So. I'm sure for a lot of people, their gap years give them a different variety of skills, maybe some more human skills, more hard skills. But for me, those are the main things that I felt transformed in by the time I completed my gap year.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously important to consider both sides here and and, and looking at potential pitfalls, which Carrie you sort of briefly touched on there, um, as potential challenges. um. What what could those be? Obviously, you've each worked in different regions and different contexts, and um, and maybe culturally speaking, um, obviously certain certain regions see gap years um, as beneficial, others see it as um, something that is almost delaying the inevitable of you know going into quite traditional roles, um, which which a lot of regions you know still obviously that's that's their mindset, Um, and uh, yeah if we could just speak to some of those potential pitfalls and challenges around that, and, and maybe, you know, um, if, if, if not planned in the right way, or, you know, if you just sit around for a year, that's probably not the best use of time. So it's um yeah. What, what are some of those pitfalls and challenges that I think we should be aware of um, when planning gap years?
1: One that comes to mind first is maybe what, I, well, when I say, I guess maybe in this, this school context is that the, the parents come from a different culture than the students are growing up in here. So you may have a student who has been in, educated in Denmark, but their parents are not Danish. And so one of the things that they kind of come up with is like a lot of their friends are going to be doing gap years because they're, Dan- they're Danish and it's been a part of their, their life experience. And so these kids also want to do that because they've grown up here and that's part of them too. Um, but how to have that conversation with mom and dad or your parental people. Um, about wanting to have a gap year and what that can potentially look like for you. And I think maybe sometimes like reconciling those cultural differences that maybe they don't think exist because it's their family, but they probably may, may have not had a conversation about what that looks like or why it's considered valuable or not valuable based on their parents' own perceptions of things and helping them to learn to talk about it and to shift maybe some of those perceptions
4: I can come up with a, an academic example as well. I'm just thinking of students I've worked with here in Norway and in other countries, um, IB students again. I think some people's part of people's gap year plans is to have IB reset exams in November or the last exam uh, could be because they wanted a higher grade, because they want to um, try for a more competitive course. Um, and that doesn't always follow the plan. So um, I think it's um, the pitfall could be that. Um, you maybe lack the flexibility or the the um, uh, ability to think uh, of plan B and C if if you are doing X and Y exam to get a higher grade so you can get into this course or that course um, it, presumably in the UK say or at a Norwegian university that's more competitive for uh, the the grade conversion um, and that doesn't work out so then what um, so that can be uh, as as we've discussed already could be the the fear of the unknown and and um, the unpredictable. So I mean, I think that you can use that pitfall potentially as a learning opportunity as well. But if it's um, uh, if, you, if you're not able to think what those a contingency plan, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking and perhaps nerve-wracking for your, your parents as well. And also, um, people have different financial means as well. So um, that's the other reality check. Um, if you're going to travel or whatever, uh, that's lovely. Um, who who foots the bill for that or is part of your gap you're going to be one semester you're earning money somehow and then the second semester you get to go out and spend it and do really interesting transformative um, exciting um, ideas.
2: Yeah and just building on what you've said Holly about uh, academic pitfalls there there are of course some some courses specifically with high maths or physics content that might be a little bit wary of a gap year Um, or there'll be some if you're potentially applying with a deferral for example you know you you need to show that you're going to be able to keep up your academic knowledge in that area to the level that it was when you graduated as, um, as we know in some systems that's that's a real factor um i guess i'm going to be a bit controversial i think the main pitfall is it's a really good point matthew what you've said about cultural differences and, and acceptance of the gap here but um i i can't in, in spain where i am it's it's also not that common to have a gap here it's 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 you know still looked at as a student is going to not make the most of it there's an assumption that there's going to be a kind of laziness or there's going to be a falling off you know or a, yeah not not getting into society quickly enough and i guess um what i see changing what i think is really encouraging about the generation graduating now are that they are happy to take a breath they are happy to to, to not subscribe to hustle culture in the same way that we all did without even questioning it so I think some of that is about a theory X, theory Y difference in terms of how do we view people generally? Like, what are what are our motivators? Do we automatically assume that all students are lazy and they're going to do nothing as soon as they have the chance? Um, I think we owe them better than that. And I think it's about, you know, saying, look, people need a break. And that's absolutely fine. And it makes us better people and it makes us take better decisions afterwards. So. You know, I think that's controversial to say in in my context. I think if I said that out loud, it there'd be some raised eyebrows. But I'd say it anyway, because I think it's I think it's really important that we consider both that, okay, there's a cultural understanding of what it is, but then we also have many versions to show them and share them of what that could look like. And so there's there's usually a halfway. There's usually a, a compromise that has to take place within families right so if the money needs to be earned okay you make that part of the plan for the year um and if you know that they, they don't want the student going too far or they don't want them traveling alone okay those are other factors to take into consideration but i think everybody's uh, can and, sh- and should look different and that's part of its beauty in kind of humanizing them and making them unique so Um, so yeah, pitfalls, I guess, would would only be about, you know, the structures around which that are created for our students that they're going into. And I I guess how flexible or inflexible those structures are, Uh, but I'm a big fan of flexible flexibilizing structures.
3: (laughs) I love that. Um, I think definitely all of those challenges are very valid, um, and for me, I think another challenge was affordability. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Matthew, about, um, you know, could, can people afford to take a gap year? And I, that's why for me, I chose to, you know, do a little research around what programs were offering need-based financial aid. And thankfully, I found Global Citizen Year, and they have been offering need-based financial aid um, since, you know, the inception of the program. Um, so I think affordability is a huge one. And then also what you all were saying, right? Like cultural expectations, the expectations of your parents, the expectations of colleges. And I think that's why I emphasize this, um, this key word of intention earlier on, because I do feel like, you know, had I gone into it without any kind of plan af- afterward, I don't know that I would have gotten what I needed out of it. I do think it's important to um, have a sense of, you know, how can this, really enrich whatever I will do next um and that's for me where my intention came from of like okay what am I really trying to do here on this earth you know and then from there I could choose well what will I study afterward that will help me complete that um or help me accomplish that and so yeah I would say definitely the challenges of affordability and uh, other people's expectations um and also just figuring out what is your intention going into it and how will it actually benefit you? Will it actually benefit you? Because everybody's very different.
1: One more that I've thought of while we were all talking is that I think there's also maybe an assumption that if once you've completed your gap year that you will automatically then go into university. So that it's like, it's one year and that will be the end of it. And not to continually like sell Denmark's prices or anything, I am just, just like being here. Um, the there is also here, I think, a uh, maybe not just in Denmark, but not all gap years will lead to university. There is an, op- there is the chance, there is the possibility, and there is even the, perhaps the the, the gap is the the chance to have that mind opening experience that that university is not the next step. It's not the thing for me, and you might go down a different pathway. And there, here, there are a lot of different possible programs to move into different professions, et cetera. And, and then maybe later on you'll you'll do like a professional bachelor's degree that will. You set you up in a specific skill that could later lead to a more traditional degree in the university or not. Um, and I think maybe sometimes taking that time and during that gap, the first gap year and saying, OK, is my goal to then go right into university? Is my whole point to jump back into the more traditional path after having a little bit of a break? Or is this a chance for me to also redefine what that pathway could look like for me um, and, for, and for anybody else, too? Um, because actually, there's a lot of people here take more than one gap year. Like, it's not uncommon to take two or maybe even three gap years.
0: And, and maybe what, you go university
1: what, later in life, but maybe you don't. And that's okay, too.
0: And what, what would they normally do just out of interest, Matthew? Would it be very much, um, it, would they take it year by year? Or would it be they take a year, they realize, oh, actually, university might not be quite for me or I've or rethought and I need some extra time as to what I want to specialize in or are there other opportunities to... To grow in other industries without having to go to university or what, what's the what's that sort of what are the percentage of people i suppose taking that extra time off
1: Smaller, small but i don't think i have a specific statistic for you on it but maybe my, my answer to that is just every situation is different and i think yeah. each student goes into it and maybe some of them go in intending to take one year and then do some applications for, for university and as they get through that year decide they're not ready to go or that they don't want to go Maybe some of them fell into some really interesting startups or had some creative process that was part of what they wanted, or they became, who knows, they became a successful musician for, in however you define success. Um, there's lots of different ways that that happens. And some people are just like, you know, I like working and I'm I, that's what I want to do. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And they're they're managing something or they're not. Um I don't know. I don't think I have a perfect answer for you for that.
0: One. No, it's, a, it's a really good point. Cause I mean, it resonates with me hugely, as well, just personally. Um, yeah. Cause I wasn't sure if I wanted to use university when I, I don't know, this was about 16 years ago. Um, and I remember my mum saying, well, you don't have to use university. And I almost felt offended that she'd said that to me. And it was kind of like, well, that's, that is the kind of the wrong mindset for a young child or, or you're sort of slightly programmed to just continue that step-by-step process. And there are lots of other opportunities now, aren't there? If you do get inspired by a certain industry to, so the world of work is changing as such that they are opening doors to people that haven't just gone to university but are just super passionate and and um and have built those skills that Sahar was touching on previously. Um that that they can just keep, you know, they can keep going and just work in an industry and and, and build and build and build and grow within that system without having to have that piece of paper. Um yeah. You
2: may you may hear my dog. Uh, he's 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 definitely wanting to add to this conversation. But um, I just want to say, yeah, Cisco Cisco recently removed uh, the need to have a degree from from their hiring process, and you know I think we'll see lots of other technology companies following suit. But um, you know the the gap year and summer programs and enrichment section of the website that I worked on from for our school community um, has many things that may lead to dropping out, <laughs> but in the best possible way. I mean you know, you don't need to go to university to be a software developer. I have students who are already making and selling music um, on Instagram. I have students who already have an, their own business. I have a, a kid who recently applied who's, you know, got a, like a mountain biking magazine with 40,000 followers. It's it's quite insane what students can do. And it's also, like I said, we owe them better. Like, like, let's open doors and show them what they can do while they're still at school that can then translate into something that may eventually pay their bills. And, and, and great if it does, you know, because it, if it's if it's coming from a place of passion, if it's coming from a place of knowing themselves playing to their strengths not only is that going to be attractive to a university anyway if they did want to apply Mm -hmm. it's just going to make them have fun in life and I think that's the point right like go go off and do what you're good at and and if you're good at it already and you know what that looks like you might know more about those technologies and how to you know uh, beam out your podcast or create a product online and sell it or do drop shipping or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. Um, you might know a lot more than us adults in your life so you know what go for it and and until it stops uh you know have a plan b have a plan c um but i think let them go for it if they have ideas that's 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 i think the best thing that we can do is support um and 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 show parents as well that there are other routes i think that is the majority of the of the work we have to do if there's an, an aversion to this um so yeah i i think we probably all have examples of students who and lots of other alumni who had a really squiggly route, and it made them all the better. And you know, power more power to them if, if gap year becomes part of that. Mm. That's amazing.
3: Right. I, I love this conversation so much. Like, I wish you all were my college counselors, <laughs> um, or futures, whatever you want to call it. But um, I just love that we're pushing the boundary on this and that you brought it up, Matthew, that like maybe people won't want to go to university if they take a gap year. Um, and that's up to them as an individual. And I think, Just as someone who's like on the cusp of Gen Z, you know, like right at the edge there, I'm thinking about how there are a lot of things that people can make a living off of right now that universities don't even teach, you know, and of course it takes a long time for universities to develop curriculum and all these things and sometimes when they develop it, it's already far advanced from what they've put into, into place as something students can learn, you know, so um, I'm just thinking about all the different ways that the world is changing. And like you mentioned, Holly, the world of work is changing. And I I feel like either education will have to become, you know, flexible enough to meet those needs, or people might just choose to figure out their own way of learning these things. Um, so I just, I love that this was brought up as a part of the conversation.
0: Yeah. I was listening to a recent interview with someone um, last week and it was uh it was the suggestion that um, you know focusing on credential uh, for skills rather than credentials for um, you know a specific industry. So you you can collect uh, you know a series of of qualification credentials based on leadership and and other areas, teamwork and communication um, that are accredited that you can package up to then take um, to a specific role that isn't um, so traditional, like architecture, for example. Which you know you probably do need to be on a certain track, but um, yeah, for most roles, most people end up going doing a job that they didn't study at university, right? I think it's something like 65% of people. Um, and I'm certainly one of those that had that squiggly career. And and I personally feel it's more, yeah, it's satis- yeah, it's been more satisfying that way for me personally. But yeah, it's not for everyone, but I suppose, but it, it's good to open up all these avenues when when you are at those crossroads at 17, 18.
4: I wanted to say something else, uh, if I may add to this. Uh, the the fact I also find being in a highly academic program, you're just you're so narrow focused. And I, I, I'll think of the example of the uh, career day that I organized for the school, Kara. Uh, I'd love to hear your your take on it. Uh, you know, how was it the structure? But um, we asked students for feedback. What would you like to What would you have liked to have seen before the event, and then after? Because I was at the mercy of my uh, alumni who were very generous with their time and parents and a few people in the community that said, oh, I know somebody who does this. So I I think it was a good exposure for a lot of students. But my point is, and I had a really hard time trying to get somebody to come, but um, uh, often overlooked or um, uh, work fields like culinary arts, say, or um, anything to do with hospitality. I have been had the pleasure, and I'm sure some other people in this call have also had been able to visit the business hospitality management schools. And I just think that, I I look at what they want and I look at the students and I think this is totally you, you like business, you know, so I'm not suggesting everyone should run out and uh, consider culinary arts or baking or what have you. But um, in the last few schools I've worked at, we don't have, the kids aren't doing um, the typical home economics or shop classes or anything. So there's design tech, yes, absolutely. Uh, Computer stuff, absolutely. But um, those kids who want to develop their culinary skills, like I would, I, I, you know, the gap year is a great opportunity for that. Um, it's kind of too bad we don't do it more in school, but um, that's just not what the international schools I've had—that's not their remit, I, for lack of a better word. So I think it's a really great opportunity as an example. Another one I was thinking of when we were talking was gaming as well. To to the points about you don't need to have a university degree if you're an expert at—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm suggesting Fortnite because that's the only one I really know about. But uh, you know, in this whole evolution of esports, when so we go visit university campuses and they're like esports. Wow, that's a thing? Yes, it's a big thing and it's very global and it, yeah, it is also lucrative from what I can tell.
2: Yeah, Holly, we have, okay, so I've got contacts I can pass to you, but um, the we have an alum of the school. I think it's all about them having references. It's all about them having people who've done it and you, can, you have to see it to be it, right? So having a Sahar, as your alum bringing her in talking to your families everyone will be like oh yeah of course that makes total sense um but you know imagine we have an alumni an alumnus who has a company who um puts together esports scholarships for u.s colleges for students so he came in and he presented as part of our futures festival um i made sure that i got people in with different pathways i'm intentional about who i bring into the school so that i know what we're not seeing enough of and what they may need more referencing on so that they can sort of see that it's a possible option and i think it's the programming is just as much for the families as it is for the students it's about the community going oh that's a thing it exists and it's possible um so i think we we can help and we can be intentional about you know those success stories that the people that you mentioned who are doing those amazing um Uh, further training at those those gap year schools and and, and learning those skills and then what those skills gave them or or, or enabled them to be able to do. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. There's so many students who say they want business and they don't know what kind of business and they've never really thought about it. They don't realize the whole world is business. And actually you're all going to work in a business unless you actively drop out of business. So, you know, make sure that you've done something that is meaningful to you and and you know hospitality is just one area that values their languages and all of those other soft skills that they have and those intercultural fluency pieces that they have as international kids right but um there's so much potential to put them in front of young mentors or, or, or recent graduates who have done unusual things, because I think the, the pathways are changing and, and probably at a faster rate now with recent graduates than with older graduates. Um, so I think, you know, bring in, bringing in more of our alumni that are, that are recent who've done something a bit different, who've done development or programming or, you know, things in gaming or esports or cooking, or whatever it might be, or maybe they're running a really successful Etsy business. Um, those are the people they need to hear from.
0: That sounds like an amazing event, card that you put together. It'd be great to have a further chat about that and and, and showcase that to, to maybe the ISO members um, a bit further down the line. That's awesome. Right, cool. So my final question, um, you know, what does being a global citizen uh, mean to you? Um, and how might a gap year um, go towards helping create global citizens, making individuals more, more globally aware and globally minded?
3: we start us off since yeah. I work for citizen year and I was kidding. But it's very interesting to think about um the topic of global citizenship because I think it can easily fall into um some challenging conversations around you know neo-colonialism and um, maybe the, the downfalls of globalization. And so what I will talk about is from my perspective and what I was able to gain in terms of um maybe my understanding of a global citizenship during my gap year. But For me, I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, cultivating a respect for one another's values. Um, And at no point should we go into another cultural context or country thinking, you know, I'm here to save you because my values are better than yours. Um, And I love that, at least from my experience with Global Citizen Year, they really emphasize going into your experience with you know, kind of the exact opposite of a thought process. Like, what can you learn from, from the context that you're going into? How can you be a humble learner who's ready to see the value of someone else's perspective and someone else's cultural views? Um, and so that really helped me kind of gain a sense of my, my own positionality within the world and how that changes as I experience um, various cultural contexts. And I actually ended up studying cultural studies because of some of the reflections that I had in my gap year and just how um, transformative it was to actually um, approach this new context with you know, complete humility and just like complete openness to what I could learn. And so, yeah, I think of course, at the end of the day it really is up to you how you choose to define a global citizen. I think it's the most important skill of global citizenship though, is being self-reflective, um, considering your own experience and context and positionality, um, and I think that is, that is the strength of global citizenship and it's up to you how you really choose to define it but yeah i'm, I'm curious to hear other people's perspectives
1: you took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> i i love your answer i i don't know that i can add anything specific to that like just going into the world open to learning from the world and all the ways that that might come, you know, not everyone is necessarily going to leave their home country to go on a gap year. Your gap year might be right in your own backyard, but you can still learn from all of those different people and all of the different experiences that you're going to have from that, and just be as open to absorbing a lot of that, not appropriating, but absorbing and learning from. Um, and that's it. Like you, you said it perfectly. Also, learn a couple languages. <laughs>
2: You really did, sir. Like confronting uh, bias and being out of your sort of whatever bubble it is you've been in in school, I think is really important. Um, going, uh, I just think it speaks to the emotional intelligence piece that I think can be built from taking that step back and reflecting on what what have you learned from the context you were in, and what changes when you step out of that context. And I think that's really amazing preparation for university because. You know, you're in a microcosm in a school, which is usually smaller, and then maybe you go to a bigger microcosm in a university. But there's still a dominant ideology in those places, right? There's still there's still a um, there's there's still a bias, and there's there's still a cultural bias of wherever we are. And I think the more of that that you can experience, the more that the difference that you can experience, the better, um, because I think that sets you up for being really well placed to sort of flow through life and 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 work in different places and with different people and. And of course, it can also show you different career pathways that you hadn't thought about. It can show you, um, you know, what kind of what kind of next setting would be right for you. Um, but I think it's it's really it's a, it's really an opportunity to also experience not being right all the time and, and and, and you know, getting things wrong um, and seeing how you deal with that, how you cope with that as an adult. So, yeah, you, you already said everything I think that is meaningful to say, but just to say, I I, I definitely agree.
4: It's hard to follow up, but I have a couple of other thoughts. Um, I'm speaking to Matthew's point about uh, you may not be able to leave your home country. Um, Norway is a vast country and a very um, isolated um, population. So uh, I mentioned some of the Arctic you know, possibilities, but uh, th- there is a language component too. So Norway does have Bokmål and it has Nynorsk, which are very different. Now I've not, I've been here long enough, I should be able to distinguish be- between them and I should, I like to think I'm pretty good at languages, but I, my Norwegian is not where it should be. But all that to say is that even within the, the regional, I mean, Oslo is seven hours from us, uh, Bergen is three hours north, but the differences in language, what I've come to learn, are quite astonishing in terms of the slang and how it's pronounced. So that's just in one country. So there's value in that, I think, uh, especially if you want to be a Norwegian national and you want to work here in Norway. But the value about, sort of my cat saying hello here, Um, the value that Sahar said about um, um, transformation and knowing yourself and being humble, I think that is key. You've said so many great, I was like, yes, that's it. Um, One other thing, I also recognize this is your bias and also recognizing your privilege. So a global citizen is one who recognizes their privilege and... um, um, how that plays out in the world, the neo you mentioned as well. So I think um, that is a very um, important life lesson as well, because, and you can't get that if you, if you are still within the same bubble. So leaving the bubble, whether the bubble is like your city, town, um, region or the north, south, east or west or a different time zone away, um, different climate, Um, I know for me as an adult, having worked in different countries and different environments, it's been an eye-opening experience just to see from a business sense uh, how things are done, like not only just education, but service industry or um, ways in which you can engage with um, uh, people on the street, you know, the cultural norm, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at people and say hello, like you would in North America and Norway, just, you just don't do that. It's a respect. It's a, you just don't do that. So you can't really learn that unless you leave and come back. And have a greater appreciation for where you came from, especially for our kids that have, uh, t- you know, two passports, and this is their third international school. They're navigating that all the time. So maybe there's also an opportunity so, is a gap year to explore either go back to where they might have come from, or where one of their parents is from, or somewhere completely new. And uh, I, I'm sure we can think of examples of that. But I just think that's the excitement and the, the potential that a gap year has, and so rewarding. And it's hard to maybe take that uh, leap of faith, but it's um, there's there's so much good that can come out of it.
0: Fantastic, brilliant! Thank you so much, guys. That's been excellent. That's uh, yeah, flown by. Um, and yeah, it's just just really fascinating insights from different areas around the world, and and so hard to hear your sort of first hand experience has been really really insightful too. So um, yeah, thank you all so much for joining, and maybe we'll do a part two, um, session soon. But yeah, thank you once again, and uh, look forward to to speaking to you all again very soon.